1: All right. Our next guest, eight number one New York Times bestsellers. His books have collectively sold over 40 million copies worldwide. Tuesdays at Maury's, one of my favorites and a number one memoir of all time. I feel like it's the Billy Joel of book writing here with us. The legend, Mitch Albom. How are you, Mitch? Hi, how are you doing? I'm excellent. Uh, Your latest creation, a book titled uh, Little Liar, is inspired by what really happened to 50,000 Jewish people living in Greece during... The holocaust and with all the anti-semitism we're seeing today and i know you didn't intend on this timing but it's so relevant right now with what we're feeling in the middle east
2: yeah i didn't intend it i started it two years ago but it's really a book about truth and lying uh, you know that, that i used the backdrop of the holocaust because that was a period of time where lies really were dominant and changed people's lives but it's, it's a book that covers 40 years, so it, it's not just about that. It's about the effects that we have on one another when we don't tell the truth.
1: And you lived in Greece for a while. I know the book uh, starts in Greece. You're a very talented guy. I'm reading that you played piano and were a piano man. More similarities to the great Billy Joel. Was that true? Uh,
2: yeah, I, uh, I played piano and sang in, a, in a, a club in Greece on the island of Crete, uh, when I first got out of school, I was a musician then, and that's all I wanted to do. And I stumbled into that great job and lived on the Aegean Sea for seven or eight months as an entertainer, and that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I also learned about the Greek people and their backdrop, and it served me here, you know, many many years later, to be able to write this book, which focuses on a, on on a, a town in Greece. A lot of people don't know don't even know that the Nazis invaded Greece. They they don't even think Greece was involved in World War II, but it was and I focus on a a little 11-year-old boy who lives in this Greek village and has never told a lie in his life. And when the Nazis invade, they actually find out about him, and they decide to use him as a weapon, and they pull him away from his family, and they say, we'll let you go back to your mother and father if you just do a little favor for us for a few weeks. Just stand on these train platforms when people are getting on and tell them they're going to good homes and good jobs and and they're all going to be together and just reassure them. And he thinks he's telling the truth. So he does this day after day until the final day and the final train, when he sees his own family is being shoved inside one of these boxcars. And he finds out that these trains are actually going to the concentration camps and he's been tricked. And the worst lie that he's ever going to tell is the first lie that he's ever told. And it follows him for the next 40 years and shows the ramifications of that one lie on him, on his family, on the girl who loves him, and on the Nazi who, who pulled it off. And so it's a big parable about you know what happens when we lie and the the tumbling effects that it has uh, when we don't value the truth.
1: It amazes me that you can uh, come up with these elaborate stories and you do it over and over again when creating uh, this book, the novel, The Little Liar. Any similarities with books in the past? Was this one? more difficult for you? Did this story uh, come at you all at once? Uh, What is the process like when you're laying down one of these elaborate stories and how long does it typically take you? And is every book similar in its timeline?
2: No, they're not similar. Um, I would say that all of my books since Tuesdays with Maury have probably contained a little bit of Tuesdays with Maury in them. You know, some of the lessons that I learned alongside my old professor as he was dying and sort of taught me what's really important in life. Uh, in this particular case, it's forgiveness. You know, Maury told me before he died that you need to forgive everybody everything and forgive yourself, because when you get to the end of your life, it won't matter who was right or wrong. You're going to just wish that you had them with you, and you're going to wish that you have been nicer to yourself. So I took that theme into this, into this book, but part of the process is also finding a voice, and that's the particular thing that sets a book in motion. you got to, are you going to tell it from the person's perspective in first person? Are you going to tell it in third person? Are you Are going to have a narrator? And in this case, I chose to have truth be the voice of the book. So the book actually begins with, you know, you can trust the story you're about to hear. You can trust it because I'm the only thing in this world that you can trust. I'm the shadow you cannot outrun. I'm the mirror that holds your final reflection. I am truth. And this is the story of a boy who tried to break me. And from that point forward, truth is telling you the story and truth is bemoaning how human beings break it and pervert it and ruin it. And, 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 and and it frequently says, look at what you're doing, you know, look at, look at how you're breaking me in pieces. Can't you see the value that I have when, when you're being honest with each other and the damage you do when you're lying to each other. And so it was a very interesting voice to write in and, that part of the process is something you have to do with every book.
0: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click or just stop by Granger At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply.
1: And one thing that's interesting when we speak about the truth nowadays, we have so many voices to listen to that we're not sure what is the truth. When you were writing for the Detroit Free Press and and having so much success as as a columnist, which you which you still do, it seemed as though you know there were a handful of newspapers, there were a handful of networks. Now we ha- we have the internet as um, uh, citizens and consumers of the truth where do we find it nowadays
2: you have to work hard you really have to work hard you know sadly it was a nazi who said the sentence a lie told once is easily seen as a lie but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth that's how the nazis were able to succeed by telling the same lie a thousand times to all their people and we now live in a, in a time where a lie can be told a thousand times with the press of a button. A lie can be told a million times with the press of a button. If you've got a million followers, somebody puts a tweet out and boom, a lie has gone out to a million people. And the, the victim of that lie is going to have a, a, an amazing job out for him or her to try to get to all those million people and say, no, it's not true. So we have an obligation to work hard to see through things that are false and what that requires is probably checking lots of different sources not watching one news network not watching one following one influencer or whatever but you've got to you know kind of see it all across the board to try to determine the truth in between it 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 really is hard to do it's not only uh, as you point out it's when we can uh, not necessarily believe what we read anymore or hear. you can't even believe what you see Because AI can manipulate images. You probably saw that story about those high school girls in New Jersey who came into school one day and were shocked to discover that their faces had been put on pornographic images um, by a classmate. And they had to explain to their families, these 14, 15-year-old girls, that no, they weren't having sex. That's not them in that video. And they said, well, sure, it looks like you. It's got your face. And uh, So when we live in a time like that, the truth becomes extraordinarily precious and and that much harder to find.
1: Well, I like writing songs, Mitch. Uh, you've inspired me. I, I stole a line from uh, something I heard you say, and it's a powerful line. Everything changes except the truth. To me, that's a that's a song title. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that song, and I'll call you and and give you some credits on that one. That's cool with you. All
2: right. Sounds
1: good. You mentioned it, the the book, Tuesdays with Maury. What a great book. Um, I know you said that one of the most valuable lessons that you learned uh, was forgiveness from Maury, but one thing you said in conclusion I found interesting in that book, you said ignore the lures of advertised values. Can you explain that and elaborate on that a little further?
2: Well, it was really Maury who, uh, who said that to me, and he said, you know, a lot of people live their lives trying to fit in with the culture, you know, to buy what the culture tells you to buy, watch what the culture tells you to watch, you know, uh, sing what the culture tells you to sing. And he said, you know, when you get to the end of your life, you realize how much of it you spent just trying to please other people or fit in. And he said, don't buy the culture. If you don't like it, if it's not the values of that culture are not for you, don't buy it. And he, he pointed out that, you know, we have one way of looking at things in America uh, and if you just live here and don't go anyplace else, you can honestly believe this is the only way to approach life. But there are other, many other places in the world where our values aren't the same. Uh, where, where the way people work or spend their time earning money is not necessarily the same. And those people count just as much as we do. And they're living a whole different life in a small village somewhere, in a small country somewhere. And so uh, I thought he, he was very prescient about saying, you know, find the culture that suits you and find the family and, and friends that suit you and don't worry about trying to fit into advertised values.
1: Uh, Before there was PTI or First Take or any of those popular shows that everybody's uh, watching now on these sports debate shows, there was the OG, the Sports Reporters on ESPN. I loved that show. Mitch was a cornerstone for that program. Looking back now, I know we like to talk history, especially you. This presentation, uh, the way that you guys delivered it, it was really groundbreaking at the time. And looking back on it, it, it now is like a piece of sports history.
2: Yeah, you know a lot of the guys who who host the programs that you mentioned, PTIs Tony and Mike, they they were on the sports reporters, and Skip Bayless and it was on the sports reporters, and Adam Schefter was on the sports reporters. All these guys who you now see in a lot of these what I call more argumentative formats uh, began in suits and ties on on the sports reporters, and I was very proud to be part of that show, and it was it ran for nearly thirty years, and we always maintained some decorum. It was on Sunday mornings. We wore suits and ties. We we might disagree with one another, but we never insulted one another. And it, it seems now that you know, people are kind of fishing for sound bites and looking for ways of, of, of trying to scream their way onto people's attention. We never did that. We just you know, we were all working journalists and, and our job wasn't just to sit there and yell at each other. Our job during the week was to go and cover the teams and cover the games and, 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 and interview people and then we would come in on Sunday mornings and sort of share what we knew. Um, and I was proud to be part of that. I, I wish that program was still going on.
1: This is the story of the one
0: No purchase necessary. Void. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I know in sports, we identify greatness a lot of times on these shows. They talk stats and championships, uh, victories. Um, for authors, I guess, uh, one gauge could be, you know, you have eight number one New York Times bestsellers, but you also could look at the effect that their stories have on others. I would really respect a list from you, possibly, if you could give us one. like Who are on the Mount Rushmore, for you personally, of writers of all time? that have inspired you?
2: Well, yeah, gosh, that's a big question. Uh, in terms of who inspired me and it's just personal to me. It doesn't mean they're better than anybody else. Um, I'd go with Ernest Hemingway. I'd go with Tom Wolf. Uh, I'd go with, uh, Marilyn Robinson. Um, uh, I, I'd, I'd go with Norman Mailer. Uh, these are people who I've studied and studied their technique and how they write, um, how they craft their sentences together and uh, they had an enormous effect on me. But you know what? So did sports writers that I read when I was younger. There was a guy named Ray Fitzgerald at the Boston Globe, who people probably don't even know that name. They might know Hemingway, but they don't know that name. But he had a, he had a, a huge influence on me. He, he, he used the column to be creative. And I'll never forget, he wrote a column once about his baseball glove dying. He wrote an obituary for his baseball glove. And he said, the old glove is dead. That's how it began. And and then just told this whole story about this glove, which he'd had since a kid and how he stitched it together and put tape on it. And, you know, every one of the chapters of his life was reflected in this glove. And finally, it just fell apart. It disintegrated. And I thought, you know, it's that's not even that's not about an event. That's not about a game. It's not about a famous person. But everybody could relate of that story whoever played baseball you know i had an old glove so writers like that had influences on me too I, i'm a i'm a student of writing so i read everybody and anything and if it's good i underline it and put it on my shelf and reread it a hundred times
1: if you ever ri- written a song i know you said you have the, the musical background you played piano the guys like dylan yes, i have chuck berry paul simon those guys uh guys that inspired you and in your writing techniques
2: Uh, well, all those guys are great, but I have written songs, uh, and I've had them recorded and, uh, Warren Zebon actually recorded one of my songs uh, about a hockey player, believe it or not called hit somebody that became a minor, a minor hit in Canada. Uh, so, and I've written songs for movies and my wife is a singer, so I've written some songs for her. So I still get to dabble in my original love, but, uh. You know, it's better to dabble than to, I found than to make it a full-time thing.
1: And then finally, I'll leave you with this. Uh, I know you're a Detroit uh, guy. At least uh, you wrote for the Detroit Press for a long time. If you find yourself being a Lions fan, and are you buying into what's happening right now in Detroit with the oh, Lions? Oh yeah,
2: I'm, I'm still here, and I still I still write sports periodically. And yes, we're we're we don't know what to do with ourselves here in Detroit. We've never had this kind of success. We're uh, we're 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 completely flummoxed. By by being eight and two, uh, but we'll enjoy it while it's going on. And uh, if it should end up in a Super Bowl or big playoff run, that would sure be something new around here. For all the years I've covered sports, I've never covered that. So uh, I'd love to see the Lions get into a Super Bowl.
1: Well, I'm going to continue to read. Uh, hopefully, what's going to be your next number one New York Times bestseller? The book is a novel. It's called The Little Liar. It's penned by our guest here, Mitch Album. And if anything, we learned today is forgiveness and love heals. And really, all we need is love, Mitch. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, you and your family. And thanks for your time.
2: Same to you. Thank you.
0: This is the story of The One. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine. But he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family